0: Romans 13. Romans 13, I want to pick up uh, where we left off last Sunday morning uh, here. Uh, Well, let's go back to verse 7. Let's stand together this morning if you're able to. Uh, I want to pick up in in verse 7 where uh, Paul writes uh, this render therefore to all their due tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, uh, honor to whom honor. And of course, you recall that Paul had been writing of our duty or obligation as Christians to act honorably, uh, to demonstrate honor, to honor uh, civil authorities. And now uh, he shifts gears a little bit, and uh, the balance of the chapter really deals with acting honorably toward one another uh, and then uh, having an urgency Uh, to get busy uh, satisfying our obligation to the Lord in uh, both of these areas. So uh, here in verse 8, he continues, O no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, Thou shalt not covet, and if there be any commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed, or when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us, therefore, cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Let's pray, please. Father, thank you uh, for this passage. Lord, we understand this morning it is so very, very important. Uh, Lord, you've called us uh, to have a, a good testimony one that brings you honor and gives you glory, one that glorifies you. Lord, you've called us to act honorably toward uh, civil government. Lord, you've called us to act honorably toward one another. Lord, you've called us to not defer this to some future time, but to recognize that these are the last days. We don't know uh, when the rapture is coming, but it's coming. It could be today. Lord, give us hearts, give us hearts to be diligent and also to have a great urgency to take up your words and to put them into action today, not knowing how many days we have. Lord, I love you this morning and ask that you work here by thy spirit in a special way this morning. Help our time to be profitable, Lord, for you. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Let's just jump right in here, please, if we could. So our duty to act honorably toward one another, it's love, of course, that that the Lord is calling us to exercise to each other. We've seen this uh, earlier uh, in Romans, uh, back where we saw the spiritual gifts that the Lord gives us to be uh, utilized in the ministries of our church. Right, right on the heels of that, the Lord had Paul to say, hey, don't forget, those things need to be exercised with love. And so this is uh, uh, the, the, the love and, and, and honoring one another by acting in a, in a loving manner. This is a recurring theme in Romans uh, as it is throughout, uh, throughout the New Testament. Remember, uh, in James, uh, we see, uh, well, James and first and, and John, uh, evidences of salvation, uh, evidences of salvation in First John. One of the evidences is, is love. Do I, do I have a heart to show love to brothers and sisters uh, in Christ? If you do, you stop back and say, Lord, thank you, uh, thank you, because I, I know that's that's an evidence that I've been truly saved. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me a heart to uh, demonstrate love uh, one to another. Uh, here uh, in verse 8 Uh, Paul, writing to the Romans, and of course we know this is the Lord writing to us as well, Uh, he says, uh, first part of verse 8, Oh no man, anything. Uh, Oh no man, anything. So just like he he said, listen, you're going to honor, you're going to demonstrate submission and honor to the civil authorities by taking care to pay your taxes. Uh, We saw that, uh, just verse or two above, Uh, last week he says, Uh, Just as the Lord calls you to satisfy your financial obligation uh, to government, make sure that you take care to satisfy your financial obligations to others as well. Uh, Owe no man anything. Now, sometimes people have looked at that phrase and say, oh, that means Christians should never, ever, ever borrow uh, any money. that They never owe anyone to anything. I don't think that's what it means. Uh, I think what it means is that we need to be very careful that when we borrow, that we not borrow beyond our means, that we take care to keep our borrowing, our credit card usage or uh, however we're borrowing, uh, take care that we're able to satisfy that debt, we're able uh, to satisfy that obligation. Uh, One man said nothing will harm a Christian testimony faster than chronic indebtedness. I think there's some truth to that. Um, you know, if, if, if you are someone who has been uh, less than careful with your finances and you owe a lot of money to a lot of different credit card companies and banks and what, whatever it is, the rent is late, whatever it is, uh, that's a problem. That, that harms our testimony. By the way, does that matter? Does that matter? Well, it matters because the Lord says, <laughs> no, "Oh no man anything. Uh, Be careful with your finances. Understand uh, that if you're not, it harms your testimony as a believer. And your testimony as a believer really goes to the testimony of whom? The Lord himself, right? Uh, Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Um, um, Look, if you would, just flip to Luke 19. I won't have you jumping around a lot today, but if you would, uh, let's look at Luke 19 very quickly. There's really just one verse I want you to see there. Uh, Luke 19 uh, and, and verse 8. This case of uh, Zacchaeus, uh, you probably know a song about Zacchaeus, right? It's going through my head now, Sister Raffi. We're not going to sing it, though. Uh, Zacchaeus, it, it seems, was a, he was a tax collector, and as so often was the case, uh, they had reputations for being very dishonest, taking more than uh, they should uh, seem to be the way that many would uh, enrich themselves. Uh, so he, he, it seems to be the case that he was probably among the dishonest uh, tax collectors. But uh, when he met the Lord and when he got saved, uh, evidently he did meet the Lord and he did get saved, uh, he began to write, immediately, immediately he began to write some of the financial wrongs Uh, that that he had committed. Look in Luke 19 and verse 8. The Bible says, And Zacchaeus uh, stood uh, and said unto the Lord... Uh, We could have read more, but we've already established the context. Zacchaeus stood and said uh, unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. By the way, the Lord cares about the poor And he desires that believers not forget the poor. But behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from a man by false accusation. You know, he said if, but I think he was saying, Lord, you know I've taken where I should not have taken. If I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I'll restore him what? He says fourfold. He's going to pay restitution. Uh, he's, he, he's going to make it right. Now, you understand this morning, of course, he, he wasn't saved by putting his financial affairs in order. But once he was saved, once he was saved, uh, he had a heart to put his affairs in order to get right with people whom he had wronged. He got right with the Lord by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But he understood that to get right with people, with other people whom he had wronged financially, he's going to have to get right with them financially. This was his heart. This is his uh, example. And so, uh, you know, if if you're here this morning and, and you say, you know what, my finances really are not in good shape. I, I really have not handled my finances uh, in a way that honors the Lord. I owe a lot of people more than I should. What What can you do? Just like any other sinful thing, right? You can say, Lord, I agree with you. You've been convicting me about this. Uh, I agree with you. I, I have not handled my finances well. I owe a lot of money. Maybe, maybe, maybe you need to confess, Lord, I've not been tithing. I've not been giving to missions uh, as, as you've laid that upon my heart. Lord, my finances are a mess, and I, and I agree with you. I confess that this morning. And I ask you, Lord, for wisdom and, and help to begin uh, getting things right, and, and I, I've counseled people uh, about finances and, and creating budgets and, and helping folks. I don't know, Gary, if I have any uh, particular brilliance in that area, but I do have a spreadsheet and a little bit of wisdom and some principles from the Word of God, and Uh, What I know is if if a person will get serious uh, and and will pray and to begin applying some biblical principles to their finances, you can get right. Does it take some time sometimes? Sure it does. It took some time to get into debt and to mess up your finances in the first place. It takes some time uh, to get it right. But if you'll begin uh, to prayerfully apply some biblical principles to your finances, uh, you can see the Lord begin to bless uh, and to work in that in, in ways that that are quite surprising and most definitely uh, Christ honoring. Lord, help us to be a people who have uh, a reputation for handling our finances, for being careful stewards uh, of our finances for Your honor uh, and for Your glory. By the way, doing that will be obedience to the Lord, and so that's demonstrating love to the Lord, because remember, that's how he wants us to love him, right? By, by, by obeying him. Uh, but doing that will also demonstrate love to those whom you might owe money. Uh, it's, not un, it's not loving to not pay your debts. It is loving to pay your debts. Uh, and so uh, Paul seems to uh, establish this in the context as he continues as an example of how we should demonstrate love to one another. Uh, don't borrow and not repay, that's unloving. Borrow and repay, uh, that's loving. He says, oh no man, anything uh, but, uh, what? To love one another, uh, to love one another. Uh, Lord is saying through, through Paul here, we, we have a debt of, of love that is due uh, to one another. Uh, Oh, no, man, anything but uh, to love uh, one another. Be a people who are willing to demonstrate love uh, one to another. This is is a theme in our church, and uh, it should be a theme in all churches. Uh, The Lord has, has loved us. The Holy Spirit indwells us. Uh, we're able to demonstrate love because the Lord makes it possible uh, for us to demonstrate love. We're able to demonstrate love graciously, uh, meaning when other people aren't being loving to us, we could be loving to them because we have the Holy Spirit who brings forth the fruit of love in, in our hearts and in our lives as we uh, yield to him. Oh no man anything but to love one another for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt, and uh, Paul at at this point begins to to, to remind, he, he basically lists out the commandments of the second tablet, they're the ones that deal with or regulate our relationship with one another. Remember the first five commandments deal more with our relationship with the Lord regulating our relationship with him, no other gods, uh, things of that nature. Whereas the second uh, uh, table or tablet or uh, group of five uh, deal with uh, these things that regulate uh, or define uh, a loving relationship with others. Come down to the end of verse nine. Uh, He says, all of this uh, is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely thou shalt love thyself, sorry, th- thy neighbor uh, as thyself. Just as you care about yourself and want to do good for yourself, you ought to have the same heart uh, to do. Remember, biblical love is a is a doing love. Uh, I said I wouldn't have you jump around much this morning, but would you, would you do this? Would you go to Matthew 22? Would you jump back to Matthew 22 just for a moment? Uh, here uh, in Matthew 22 is where... And Jesus was asked, uh, he was asked, uh, Master, uh, rabbi, teacher, Master, Lord, uh, which is the greatest commandment in the law? What is the most important commandment in all of the Old Testament law? Uh, that's Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. 36. Master, uh, which is the great commandment, the greatest in the law? Jesus answered, praise God, Jesus answered, Jesus said unto him that, would you read with me? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Keep going. This is the first and great commandment. Keep going. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments... Hang all the law and the prophets. Because listen, you love the Lord, first of all, with your whole being. Put your whole self into it. Uh, on Wednesday night, recently, we saw a man that got into a king uh, who got into trouble with the Lord because uh, while he was obedient in some areas, his obedience was not a perfect obedience. Uh, and Bible makes it clear in, in that passage from Two Wednesdays back, I think, if I recall correctly, that uh, his obedience was incomplete because his heart was not fully given over to the Lord. He had a half-hearted commitment to the Lord and to obeying the Lord. That's not what he calls us to. Uh, He calls us to love him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind, to put our total self into him. Brother Ray, if we're convicted that we've not been doing that, we same thing, right? We can confess that and say, Lord, you know what? Uh, I haven't been putting my whole self into loving you, which is obeying you. Uh, the way you've called me to. I agree with you, Lord, and so I confess that. I'm going to ask you, Lord, for grace to help me do that, uh, and he does. He, right? he gives us that grace and, and that strength to love him more like what he, uh, he desires. Remember, Lord doesn't command anything that he doesn't make possible. Amen? I mean, you, you, you get all frustrated. God, I can't obey you in this area. I've said something like this in Sunday school this morning. Uh, You you get very, very frustrated. I can't obey, Lord. I can't obey, Lord. I can't obey, Lord, and just stop trying. That's not God's way. God's way is confess. Lord, I've not obeyed. God, I've not obeyed. But I'm going to yield to you and look to you for strength to obey. And then you can, Brother Art. We can. It's God working in us and through us. It's not us. It's just us yielding to the Lord and looking to him for his strength to obey him. That's to love him. That, that's to love him. The second, we're st- still here in, in Matthew, second, second most important thing. So first thing is love the Lord. And, and, you know, if why does it say on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets? Well, to love the Lord and to obey him, well, the first five commandments really really go to our relationship with him. And so loving him, yielding to him, o- obeying him, uh, really would encourage uh, fulfillment of the first five commandments. Similarly, Jesus says in verse 39 there, the second is like, unto it thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If you love your neighbor as yourself, if you're obeying those second five commandments that deal with, that regulate our relationships with each other, uh, that's love, that, that's obeying the Lord uh, in those areas that have to do with our relationship with others. Uh, to do that is to love. To love the Lord is to obey the first five, to love each other is to obey the second five. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Uh, it just It makes sense. Lord, help me to love you, to obey you. Lord, help me to demonstrate love to one another, to obey uh, your commandments regarding uh, my relationship with one another. By the way, James two and verse eight, come back to our passage, but as, you, as you're coming back to uh, Matthew 13, share a couple of other things. Uh, James two uh, and verse eight, the Bible says, if ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. <laughs> James wrote that un, under inspiration. I uh, calls that the royal law. It says, hey, if, if, you love your, if you choose to love your neighbor as yourself, which is necessarily going to involve looking to the Lord for strength to do that, for his grace to accomplish that, James says, ye do well. Who had James to write that? The Lord did. <laughs> the Lord says, hey, if, if, if you carry out obedience in that area, you do uh, you do well. Um, look back in verse 9, please. Uh, For this, and, and here's that, the list of, uh, of the second five commandments that the Lord associates with loving our neighbor. Uh, let's read it again. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. Uh, To obey the Lord in these areas, yes, that's to love him, but it necessarily is to love uh, one another. Uh, Just consider the list for a moment. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Is adultery ever an act that involves love? Uh, Someone might argue, you know, I went out and committed adultery because I love that person. I went out and engaged in a physical relationship with that person over there, um, even though I'm already married to another person because I love that person over there with, with whom I committed adultery. Is that love? You can say you love that person, but if you choose to involve that person in that kind of sin, and by the way, that's a terrible sin. Amen? Amen? That's a terrible sin. Uh, that's a ter- is, is it brought under the blood of Christ when someone is saved? Is it forgiven? Absolutely, when you're saved, but that's a terrible sin. You can't engage in adultery with someone without acting hatefully toward them because you are necessarily involving them in disobedience to the Lord, and that's not love, that's hate. Amen? We didn't get a hold of that. You can't go out and commit adultery and say, oh, it's because I love that person. Well, you're not being loving toward that person if you are pulling them into disobedience to the Lord. That is necessarily a hateful thing. Uh, It's it's never going to be something that you could call love. Uh, And we understand that. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, Thou shalt not kill well, that one maybe is easier to deal with. I understand that that murdering someone, and, and that really is the thrust of the, of the commandment. It, it doesn't mean that you can't defend yourself. It doesn't mean that you can't defend uh, your country. It's not talking about justly taking someone's life in self-defense or in defense of uh, of our country. It is talking about unjustly taking someone's life, murdering them. Uh, taking a life with, without cause. That's obviously an act of hatred. To d- deny someone uh, of their life is obviously an act of hatred. Uh, and I think we could lump in any, any number of things here. Um, you know, going out and shooting someone and killing them in an unjust way, that's obviously murder. Uh, that's, that's always hatred. How, how about taking an unborn life? Is that ever going to be a loving thing? I'm going to say that's never going to be a loving thing. Taking taking the life of an unborn person uh, is is never could never be called a loving thing. By the way, our statement of faith says we believe that human life begins at conception and that the unborn child is a living human being, and that abortion constitutes the unjustified, unexcused taking of an unborn human life. Our statement of faith has said that for many years. Lord, help us to get a hold of that. Lord, help us to get a hold of that. How about euthanasia or so-called mercy killing? Uh, so-called mercy killing. Uh, you know, that's maybe more difficult at times. Uh, and I understand end-of-life decisions uh, can be difficult and complex and, and not easy. Uh, but there are other times when it's, it's a, a lot simpler. Uh, our statement of faith says we believe that life is sacred. Amen? In this church, we believe that life is sacred. It's of the Lord. It's sacred. It's always worthy of protection. Life is sacred in any act of putting to death a person suffering from a distressing illness, disease, or health problem from injury, that is euthanasia or mercy killing, for his own good is virtually an instance of self-deification, usurping a right that belongs to god alone our statement of faith says that and it has for many 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 years well before i became the pastor here Uh, lord help us to have great respect for life you are the giver uh, of life you determine when life begins you determine when life ends lord give us a heart to not interrupt that unjustly uh, ever lord says thou shalt not kill Uh, Thou shalt not take life in an unjust manner. I understand this. That's easy for me to understand. Uh, To do so is necessarily unloving. Uh, Lord, give us hearts to obey you in each of these areas. Thou shalt not steal. So uh, Paul says, For this, thou shalt not commit adultery. Got it. Thou shalt not kill. Lord, we hear that. We, We receive that. Thou shalt not steal. Well, that's interesting. You ever stop and think about this? Um, Oliver, I don't know if you've ever stole anything. By the way, I have. I, remember, I think back when I was a kid uh, and I stole something. It, don't raise your hand, but you know what I mean? Do you ever steal anything? That's always wrong, by the way. Does it matter if it was just a little thing and, oh, you know, no one, I don't, I'm not picking on you because I'm aware that you stole something, by the way. I'll look over here. Brother, are you <laughs> um, is it ever okay to steal? The Bible says, thou shalt not steal. Um, is it always unloving to steal? Well, the Lord says that if you obey in these areas, uh, you're loving. Uh, that the, these things total up to loving your neighbor as yourself. If you ever stop to think about this, if I steal from someone, I am taking from them that which belongs to them, not to me. What is love? What is love? Love involves doing for someone, right? What's what's my constant refrain? It's not just a ooh, ooh, ah, ah. Someone said, Pastor, you know, love can involve the ooh, ooh, ah, ah. I said, oh, I know. (laughs) But it's more than that. Amen? It's more than that. I'm looking at my wife. She's, don't look at me. Oh, I know. It involves the ooh, ooh, uh, uh, But it's more than that. Biblical love is more than that, right? It involves doing for, giving of yourself to someone else. That's love. That's biblical love. And so taking from them, stealing, is obviously the opposite of love. It's hate. Opposite of love is hate. And so it's It's always hateful to steal from someone. It doesn't matter whether it's a big thing or a small thing, it's always disobedience. Taking from someone that which is not yours is always the opposite of biblical love. It's always going to be hateful, it's wrong. Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou thou shalt not steal. These are unloving things. They necessarily involve hatred uh, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. What does that mean? What does that mean? Lying? Uh, yeah, lying, maybe about yourself, but I think it implies lying about someone else also, could be a, a lying to, to save face of Something lie that I tell about myself, bearing false witness, could also be, could also involve lying about someone else. You ever lie about someone else? Don't raise your hand. Um, when you lie about someone else, do you take anything from them? You do, don't you? You you take from their reputation, right? Uh, as, as a, a believer, if, if, if I love someone, I'm always looking to do for them or to give to them. I'm always looking uh, to build them up, not take away from them. This is love, this is hate. If I lie about someone else, that's usually going to harm their reputation. It's usually going to take away from their testimony. That, by definition, is not love. It's what? It's the opposite. I don't have a better word for the opposite of love than hate, do you? I just don't. I mean, it's if we're honest. If we're being honest with you, the opposite of love is hate. That's a hateful thing. It's disobedience. Uh, Lord help me not to steal. Lord help me not to bear false witness. Uh, and then he says this thou shalt not covet uh, to covet. I uh, understand coveting is, is, is what? It's, it's longing for uh, or lusting for something that someone else has that I don't have. Is that what that means? Coveting is, is just setting my heart on, oh, I got to have this. iPhone, whatever the number is. Was it? Fourteen? have that one yet I saw these phones that flip open now they have two screens do you, do you covet that it's a waste of money amen someone's raising him right brother Hurt. it's cool though see that's my problem I'll look at it and say oh that's cool I don't have that I gotta have that but it's a waste of money and nobody needs that and it probably doesn't fit in your pocket. If I walk around like this because it's weighing me down. You're right. But if we're not careful, what's natural is to see something, right? Lust of the eyes, and to desire it, right? Uh, to see it, to desire it, to go from seeing something to grabbing after it. Um, is there any relationship between the command to not covet and any of the other commands here? Do you think there might be? Um, how about the first one? Uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. Does that involve coveting some thing? It does, <laughs> it sure does. Uh, how about ste- thou shalt not steal? Uh, if I'm not coveting this thing, I'm probably not going to steal it, right? That just makes sense. Uh, I might have to covet a, a snow shovel. Uh, isn't that beautiful? So, someone said no. <laughs> Come on, it's, it, it is beautiful, and I don't think it's going to get too dangerous today, so we'll just, we'll just appreciate the beauty of it. And when we travel home, we'll, we'll go wisely and carefully and appreciating the beauty of it. It's beautiful. Zach, are no two snowflakes alike? Is that true? How is that possible? How is that possible? I I think we know the designer of snowflakes. Yeah, that. I mean, God can do that. He can do anything. He can do anything. He can give me strength to not commit adultery. He can give me strength to not kill. He can give me strength to not steal. He can give me strength to not bear false witness. He can give me strength to not covet. And if I'm not coveting, I'm probably not going to commit adultery. I'm probably not going to steal. Uh, maybe I won't bear false witness. Uh, you know, there's, there's a relationship here. Coveting is one of those root sins, right? It leads to other sins. It's, it's the kind of thing that kind of lurks below the surface. And if you're not careful to control that one, it leads to things that now can be seen and are much bigger problems. Pride is like that also, right? It lingers below the surface. If you don't get pride under control, it, it begins to rear its ugly head in a variety of different ways that can be seen uh, above the surface. Paul says, listen, uh, the Lord calls us to demonstrate love to each other. Uh, this, is, this is fulfilling the law. Uh, take care not to be engaging in these unloving things that would be violation of the law violation of God's will violation of God's uh, plan for our relationships uh, with one another you know it's, it's interesting if you, you look at this list um, by the way does the devil does the devil desire to mess up relationships in churches does he we stand guard against that. By the way, if you're just going to stand guard against something, you got to get down on your knees and pray about that, right? That's how you stand guard against sin. You get down on your knees and pray. Uh, always be praying for our church, please, and our relationships one with another. I look at this list in, in verse 9, and I think, boy, you know what? If I'm the devil, that's a really good game plan to mess people up. Uh, if, I, if I can get church members coveting what someone else has in the church, uh, I might be able to get people to do, uh, do, to do something, to steal, uh, or <laughs> just coveting sometimes. Uh, can, can the devil use coveting to mess up relationships even if it doesn't lead to stealing? Can he? Why does Brother Gary have this thing that I don't have? Why, why, why does Brother uh, Steve have this thing that, that I don't have? God, why aren't you providing for me the way you provide for them? That angry question begins with sinful coveting. And that's never a good thing. Lord, help us to stand guard against these things. For your honor, for your glory, for the health of our church. For our obedience uh, to you. Um, Give us hearts uh, to obey you. Before we move on and, and just listen, in Luke 12 and verse 15, Jesus says, "Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth." Amen? Life is not about stuff. It's about the Lord. And living for him and obeying him and serving him. Living for him, not for ourselves and all the stuff that we can get. Look at verse 10. Love worketh no evil to his neighbor. Can't love someone and and, and, and do wrong toward them. If you're doing wrong toward someone, you're not acting in a loving way, you're acting in a hateful way. There's no other... There's, there's no gray area there. Love worketh no evil to his neighbor. Therefore, love is uh, the fulfilling of the law. One man says, if we would love those around us as we ought, we will not sin against them. Moreover, if we love God as we ought, we will not sin against him. Lord, help us to love you uh, the way we should, and Lord, help us to love others the way we should. Look with me, please, here, and, and we won't spend a lot of time that's appropriate because there, there's urgency here. Uh, the last, last verses of, of the chapter, as, as you saw, you, you read them with me already. The Lord says, listen, uh, don't, don't put obedience um, to these things, uh, whether it's obedience to the government or, or obedience to act loving one toward, toward another. Don't put these on your, your to-do list for something that you're going to do down the road. This this is not a next Tuesday thing. It's not a next year thing. Uh, Paul says, as as the Lord gives forth these words by the Holy Spirit, he says, now is the time. Today is is the day. Uh, Don't delay. (laughs) Don't delay. Look at verse 11. He says, knowing the time, uh, that now, 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 it is high time to awake out of sleep. Uh, to wake up and and begin being obedient to these things. Uh, Be obedient to government. Pay your taxes. uh, Get your finances right. Start demonstrating love to each other, all the ways that God would have you to do that. Now uh, it is high time to awake out of sleep, to stop not doing these things, to wake up and start doing these things for now, circle it, again, circle it, now once, now twice. Uh, you know what now means, right? I'm being silly. Now means now. Amen? Uh, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Uh, what does he mean by that? For now our, so, now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. I think the best way to understand that is probably, hey, the return of Christ is, is nearer than, than when you first believed. You don't know when it's going to be, but it could be today. Uh, it, it could be today, and, and if the Lord returns this afternoon, you don't want to have uh, a laundry list or to-do list of, of areas where you intended to get obedient, but but you had put it off until next week or next month or next year. No, when the Lord returns, you want to have a check in those boxes. Amen, for Him you you not to say, Lord, sure enough you you called me to uh, to be obedient to government and, and yes, I struggled but but I did you called me not to rail against leaders sure enough I struggled uh, but 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 I got obedient in that area Lord, you called me to demonstrate love uh, to my fellow church members and yep that was hard at times because they're not always lovable Lord I'm not talking about anyone specifically, but I'll look to you for grace, I'll look to you for strength and you enabled me to begin demonstrating love. You helped me to deal with covetousness. And that, that was just a help all throughout my walk with you. I didn't delay. I didn't delay. The night is far spent. The day is is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Verse 13, let us walk honestly. This is decently or honorably. As in the day, not in rioting, partying, and drunkenness. By the way, drunkenness is a sin. It's a sin. The best way to not get drunk is to not drink. Not in chambering and wantonness. You know what that is? That's sexual sin. That's what that is. That's sexual sin. Lord, help us stand guard against what we allow into our eyes, what we allow into our ears, what we look at on the internet, what we look at on our phones. Looking at things that we should not look at causes us to covet those things which when the opportunity presents itself causes us to take those things, to engage in things that the Lord would not have us to engage in, chambering in wantonness, sexual sin. Lord, help us. By the way, can you commit adultery in your mind? Sure enough. Not in strife and envying. Lord, help us to be at peace with one another as we're at peace with you but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Ephesians 4, Paul writes, ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Could the Lord come back today? Yeah, that's our hope. That's our hope give us an urgency to take up these things and get serious about them today for you for your honor and for your glory let's stop there and pray let's bow our heads father thank you uh, lord so much for this passage we know we need it father it's in our bibles because we need it lord thank you for it Father, I don't know exactly how you've worked in each heart today, but I know you have worked in each heart today. You've said your word does not return void. Lord, I know you've convicted where that's needed today. I thank you for it. Your word does not return void. Father, I pray as we close now that um, you would help each of us to do the business with you that we need to do, whatever it is. Lord, if there's some confession that needs to be made, give us hearts to get that done urgently, to to do that business now. Lord, if there's some struggle in some area, give us hearts to confess that. We've trained our minds, our eyes, our ears on the wrong things. Give us hearts to confess that. Lord, to look to you for strength to put off what should not be on and to put on Christ instead. Lord, I thank you so much that in Christ we find great strength to obey. Lord, help us not to forget that. Help us to put on the Lord Jesus Christ each day, remembering who we are in him, forgiven but without a license to continue in sin. People who are enabled by a wonderful, glorious Savior to obey for your honor and for your glory. Lord, give us urgency, knowing that Christ could return even today. Lord, you've said, watch, therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. Lord, you've said, therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Lord, you've said that your coming draweth nigh. Give us urgent hearts. Church, give you a moment to pray and we'll close. Lord, thank you so much for working in our hearts through your words pray that as we leave here today with the joy we've come together in obedience to you, and your presence, worshiping you in your presence, taking time to have encouraged each other today. Lord, help us to rejoice in these things. Well, thank you for the gospel tracts that we have, and I do pray that we would be watching, looking for an opportunity to share this track. Lord, I pray that you give each of us that one opportunity that you would have us to share the wonderful truth of Christmas, the incarnation of our Savior, that he might come and shed real blood on a real cross for our very real sins. Lord, thank you so much for making a way of forgiveness. Give us hearts to know you're leading and give us hearts to be obedient, to share this wonderful, wonderful truth. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you, I pray, all of this now in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Zach, you come, please. Uh, Lord willing, we're going to be back here tonight at 6, looking at Psalm 40. Uh, Lord willing tonight, Psalm forty. Read ahead if you like. Don't think the snow is going to be a problem, but do be careful, please. Uh, you pray for traveling mercies when you when you close. All right. Thank you so much for being here this morning. All right. Let's stand as we turn to number four eleven. We'll sing the first and the last of "Revive Us Again." Number four eleven. For the Son of thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, thine the glory, hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory, revive us again and the last revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love, may each soul be rekindled far from above hallelujah thine the glory hallelujah amen hallelujah thine the glory revive us again All right let's pray dear heavenly father we thank you for the word that we've heard help us to be doers of it today please give us safety as we travel home and back here this evening in jesus I pray, amen <laughs>